This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live is the Hall of Famer. He's a three-time World Series champion, a six-time All-Star, a three-time AL Cy Young Award winner. He won a gold glove. He led the league in wins, ERA, and, of course, inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1990. Jim, how are you? It's great to have you back on the program. Well, I was going pretty well. I mean, actually, it was four gold gloves. I, I never won one until they <laughs> traded Jim Cott to the National League. <laughs> yeah, he won yeah. 16 in a row. That's, right. <laughs> that's how good he was. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you know, you know, we miss seeing you. Oh, I know. We miss seeing a lot of things, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Hey, Jimmy, I want to ask you, because in today's time, obviously there's no complete games. Shutouts is the big uh, controversy now as far as it's a seven-inning shutout. Does it count as a shutout? And they're doing that. But Bumgarner's no-hitter for seven innings doesn't count. But take us back to 1965 when you came up to the Orioles, but then also in 1966. You're 20 years young. How about that? 20 years, and you're facing the Dodgers in the World Series? Well, not only that. I mean, I'm facing Sandy yeah. Koufax. Yeah. I don't think anybody – I think he was 25-7 and seven that year with about a 195 <laughs> ERA. He didn't pitch game one. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting in your first World Series. We, You know, I got to the big leagues when I was 19. I kind of had to stay there, and I thought they'd send me out, but I stayed all year. And we, we won 94 games, but the Twins won 102. And, 65 then they would lose to the Dodgers in the World Series Kofax would mm-hmm. would really dominate the uh, the World Series as he did I think because he was you know <laughs> he was Sandy Kofax um, so he because of the Jewish holidays Don, Don Drysdale um, uh, started game one and Dave McNally who would eventually win 20 games for us four years in a row he started game one against uh, Drysdale in in Los Angeles at Chevrolet Ravine and you know you're 19 years old or just turned 20 and I'm, I'm sitting on the bench and thinking geez you know and then you're thinking okay what do i want to do tomorrow you know we'll see how today goes and then brooks and frank robinson hit home runs in the um, in the first inning and you know as somebody that's 20 and we had gotten there and it said you know al uh, uh loop loop leaders uh you know <laughs> went, you know in town to play the dodgers and yep. you know it was no big deal and uh, you know and, and then you know mcnally struggles he you know as as the famous uh um, uh, columnist, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Bert Murray writes, he said, you know, the last time you, you saw a, uh, a pitcher stop the, the Dodgers running, running game, it was by walking the bases loaded. And that's what Dave McNally did. And then <laughs> Mojabowski came in and struck out 11 and six and two thirds innings. And yeah. I'm sitting on the bench and I'm saying, geez, they got a little, uh, little trouble with a high fastball. Now Mo also had a great breaking ball and he threw a lot of strikes. He could throw the ball low and away with the best of them. And I'm, but I'm sitting there, so at least gave me some kind of confidence. But I'm going to face Kofax. And to be honest, all I 
wanted to do is not embarrass myself. And Jim Palmer embarrassing himself back then <laughs> would have been walking a bunch of guys and, you know, maybe not getting hit that much because I threw so hard enough where that didn't happen. But, you know, all you have to do is walk a couple of guys, as you know, right, as sure. well as anybody. And then it's not, it's not, everybody says, well, walk, walks kill you. I always thought it's what happens after yeah. you walk. The guys is really important. And as it turned out, I pitched my first shutout. Willie Davis dropped a couple of fly balls. Sandy pitched great into the fifth inning. It was nothing, nothing. I always kind of wonder because we would win six to nothing first shutout ever, you know, happened to be, you know, in, in a World Series game when you're 20th, you know, yeah. this guy to ever do that, I guess. And still, still, uh, I did broadcast the 81 World Series even when I was playing. And I'm, if Fernando pitches a no hitter in 81, which he, or a uh, shutout, which he was doing quite regularly, he would have been a little bit younger than me, but he gave up three runs in the first inning. I usually didn't root when I did national <laughs> telecast, but I was kind of rooting for him to give up a couple of runs. But we won, and you know, and then we went back to Baltimore, and Wally Bunker, who had been rookie pitcher of the year and had some injuries in 64, now we're in 66. He wins one nothing. McNally comes back, beats Drysdale, a couple of solo, solo home runs in games three by Blair and then Frank Robinson, and you walk out of the stadium four games later and you're world champs. Yeah. And as you know, it's never – I mean, you look back and you say, geez, was it easy? But it really happened very quickly. Jimmy, you, you know the, the one thing that in today's world they say, well, so-and-so's pitching, and you're fa- you, these guys don't face because of the designated hitter in America League. What was it like facing Sandy Koufax? You mean as a hitter? As a hitter. You know, as, as well, you know I'm, on de- I'm on deck, right? So Andy Etcheberg. You know, Etch was a bonus kid out of La Puente, you know, Southern California, Orange County. And, you know, I don't know, he got $75,000 to sign or something like that. And he had, you know, he had a little kind of, kind of, turn the bat imagine your your the bats over your right shoulder because he was right-handed hitter and the bat kind of pointed just a shade towards the pitcher well so i'm on deck and he you know kofax throws him sandy throws him a high fastball and he you know he thinks about swinging at strike one throws him another high fastball thinks about swinging at strike two throws him another high fastball thought about swinging at all three and you know he didn't he couldn't get the bat going because um, Sandy, you know, so I go up to home plate and as I'm walking up, I said, radio boss. He said, what? I said, you could kind of <laughs> hear him, but you couldn't see him. And I get up there and I, you know, I won my first game in the big leagues with a home run off of Jim Bowden, but, but Jim Bowden was a pretty good pitcher for the Yankees, but he wasn't Kofax. So he throws me the first fastball. And I used to use Frank Robinson's R-161 because uh-huh. I figured if anybody's going to have good wood, it would be Frank That's Robinson. That's right. On his way to almost 600 home runs and That's triple right. crown and all that stuff. We all use so, Reggie's. Kofax, yeah, Kofax throws me the first fastball. It starts in the lobby and it ends up on about the third floor. And I'm saying, whoa, wow. wait a minute. So now, you know, you know, I mean, you face guys that had this kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe Sudden Sam McDowell. You, might have, you, caught, you probably caught Sudden Sam McDowell in, in Cleveland. Yeah. But anyway, so now I figured, okay, I, I better get ready. So. You know, I cheat a little bit with the fastball, and he throws me a pitch that looks identical. And next thing you know, Rose Burrell's catching it on the ground. Wow! That was the uh, that was the lobby curveball that looked like a fastball that was going to the third store and, and ended up wow. in the uh, in the lower lobby or the lower basement. You know, that's how good his curveball was. Amazing. And you know, I think anybody that faced Kofax, everybody used to say he was pretty comfortable, except you, 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 until you looked at the box score the next day, and then you said, gee, that wasn't too comfortable, was exactly. it? Five no-hitters and, yeah. you know, a bunch of strikeouts and, you know, 300 and some innings and, you know, an ERA usually around two runs a game. There is nobody that has a memory better than Jim Palmer. Short-term, long-term, it doesn't matter. I mean, facing Kofax. I, I know. I, that's the reason <laughs> I, I wanted to bring it up because you're facing Kofax. You know, Jimmy, the, the one thing, you know, you're talking about the walks. You know, I, I know that 
I'm jumping ahead because I, I know you probably mentioned this before, but I want to ask you, over 300 home runs, not Mitch over, what, 303, something like that in your career, never gave up a grand slam. Why? Well, Tim Kirchin, he used to write for the Baltimore Sun. Now he you know, does ESPN um, you know, mm-hmm. baseball tonight and does some games for him and whatever. He Probably five, six years ago, you know, when you actually could go on the field and talk to the players and the yeah. managers and, you know, get kind of do do your homework, uh, you know, the way we've always done it right, traditionally. Right um, and I'm down on the field about four o'clock in Camden Yards in Baltimore and Tim's there and he comes walking across and, you know, I mean, I've known him for years because he was a beat writer for the Baltimore Sun and he says, Cakes, uh, he said, the boys in Bristol uh, said, you won't know what, you know, what this is. And with that, he takes a little piece of paper out of his back pocket and there's 13 names on it. And I look at him and I said, must have been the guys I walked with the bases loaded. <laughs> he said, I told him, I told him you would know, you know, that, and I said, no, 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 Tim, I don't really remember. I mean, I remember walking guys with the bases loaded, but it was the only logical answer to the least piece of paper he gave me. So apparently I walked 13 guys with the bases loaded. So I walked in 13 yeah. runs. And I don't know, were you any good at math? Because I was. And I always felt that one was a lot better than four. Well, you know, you know, and, and, and thinking ahead to what Buck Showalter did with Barry Bonds. So, he intentionally yeah. walked well, him with the bases loaded. I mean, obviously different than what you did. But as he said, I would give up one. But if he hits it out, it is four. Well, no, you're right. I mean, and not that I think in today's game, you know, if I pitched in Camden Yards, I would have been a different pitcher. Yeah. Number one, I would. I don't know. Everybody says, well, you know, you probably couldn't have pitched in this year. And I said, I might have been able to figure it out. I mean, the Orioles certainly aren't as good as the teams that I played on. (laughs) No. um, I mean, if somebody told me you need to instead of getting 27 outs, you know, we'll be real happy if you get 18 outs. Isn't that amazing? Um, And I would say, now I don't have to go back to AAA in Rochester, you know, because that's what would have happened. (laughs) If if you went to Earl Weaver and you were one of the four starters and you, you know, you guys had that kind of staffs and, I mean, even in Cleveland a little bit, and especially in Oakland. If you had said, well, you know, hey, I'm going out there tonight. I'm going to get you maybe 18, 19 outs. They were saying, what are you talking about? But the game's changed. You know, they look at the numbers. You know, you just saw last night John Means. Now, John Means, I mean, he he gave up two runs and his ERA went up. That's how well he's been pitching. And, um, you know, he's but he's a guy, if you look at his first, second, and third time through the lineup, he's an anomaly because third time, is better than the first time. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, Rich Hill, you know, he had those kind of numbers in the World Series. They made out of a 17 or 18. And Dave Roberts, third time through the lineup, you're gone. And, you know, it used to irritate the heck out of him. So, sure. you know, we just had, we didn't have 14-man staffs. We didn't have nine guys in the bullpen. You know, we used to have, I mean, Davey Leonard was our long guy, you know, who had gone 16 and 4, 20 and 5, and 15 and 3, A-ball, double-A and triple-A, had trouble making the club. He was waiting you know, to come in as a long man, one hitter in the middle of the pennant race after not pitching for two months. It's just a whole different era. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that our guys are any better. I just think, on that, you know, I mean, Lazardo's going to pitch today. I saw him pitch, what, last Sunday when, when right. he broke the streak. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to have a heck of a career if he stays healthy. You know, um, I mean, you know, he's got great stuff. He's got a good slider. He's got a pretty good changeup. I don't think he has a feel yet for right. when to throw him. So you're hoping that you know, between Murphy or whoever's catching that day. And Bob Melvin, of course, was great, you know, and Scott Emerson knows his stuff, that they're going to figure it out. But I was really impressed. I mean, he reminded me a little bit of uh, Johan Santana. That's that's probably who he reminded me the most of. 
Well, you know, Jimmy, the, the one thing Chris Townsend and I have talked about this, about Jesus Lazardo, and obviously catching Kenny Holtzman, who you know quite well. When he faced you guys in 73, 74, it was like 110 pitches, 109 just fastballs, BP fastball, yeah. back and forth, curveball. He just threw those two pitches, and that's all he did, and he won the game. What does it take for a pitcher who, it seems with Lazardo, is maxed out on everything, what does it take for him to back off a little bit and throw a BP fastball, especially in a, in a fastball count? Well, you'd like to think innings and experience. Yeah. And, um, I mean, look at look at our closer. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you did. you do the game last night? Yes, I did, yep. You wanted to jump out of the. Yep. You wanted to jump out of the booth. You wanted to move up in the box. You wanted to look yep. for seventy-five. That's right. And you know, you wanted to do what Chapman did. I mean, you know, he's been the last two games. He walked two guys to, with a one-run lead, and, and they actually the Yankees tied it up, and the Orioles won an extra innings the other night. And then last night the A's had two guys on, but nobody out. You know, trailing what three to two, and mm-hmm. so you're kind of he's kind of living. I mean, you don't want to be walking that tightrope all the time, but but what I think Lizardo, you know, if he stays healthy. I mean, incredible stuff. It looks like he has a great windup. I'm not sure you want to quick pitch people like he does. Right. I don't even know how old he was, 22, 23. Yeah. But because I don't think you need to do that. I just think if he learns to throw his fastball out of the middle of the plate, because you know as well as anybody, you know, catching all those years, the plate's 17 inches. Right. If you take the edge of the ball and you put it on the corner, you get that plate about 21 to 22 inches. And and the Kenny Holtzman's of the world. Right. And the Scotty McGregor's, you know, Holtzman threw harder than him, but they both had fastball change-ups, occasional breaking ball. And the game becomes a little bit easier. It's never easy, but it becomes less difficult. So, you know, hopefully he'll learn that. Hopefully he'll be, um, you know, healthy. I mean, you know, if you look at Sean Manaya, it looks like he's kind of has a better idea now of what he needs to do to be successful. And, of course, it's the key to him. Right as you know, is just to be, be be healthy. And if he does that, but I like the A's. You know, I like their ball club. I think they'll make some changes in their bullpen because they have a couple of guys at the back that, you know, don't match up with some of the other teams. But at the end of the day, they got a nice little ball club. I, you know, it, it, I, I'm not sure they're going to run off a lot of 13-game winning streaks, but as you mentioned, uh, yeah. <laughs> that everything's got to kind of fall in place for that to happen. Right. Jimmy, 1971, Palmer Dobson, Quayar McNally. Four 20-game winners. Last time that ever happened, never happened again. You know, I caught three 20-game winners in 73, which was the last time that happened. Probably never happened again. What was that season like for you? A four-man rotation and the four of you. And what really ticked me off was you guys came into Cleveland. I don't know if you remember this or want to remember, but you guys took a picture in the bullpen of the four 20-game winners, and you guys hadn't won them yet. I'm thinking this weekend you're going to have your 20, 20 wins. <laughs> So you're taking well, the his. I mean, you know, and we did it in those ugly orange uniforms. You know? Well, yeah, uh, that's right. But yeah, you know, so it, it's even more, <laughs> you know, more ostentatious uh, display of what was to come. I was the last guy. Um, I was the last guy to uh, win 20 on that Sunday. And, I, you know, I was kind of desperate. Yeah. <laughs> desperate. I think I ended up winning three to nothing. I'm trying to think of the bonus kid out of uh, Allen. Right-handed pitcher, pitch. You guys got him from the Dodgers. Um, he was pitching. It was nothing, nothing. I mean, I hit a ball off Nettles' foot, hit him in the foot, and hit him in the chin, and they gave him an error. I hit a ball out to left field. Pinson kind of short-legged it and went in between the left fielder. That was another error. And finally, I doubled down the line. I mean, it got thrown out going from second to third. I mean, I was. I, it, it was a badge, you know, kind of a badge of honor to win 20 games back then. And so I figured I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be three 20-game winners and Jim Palmer with 19. But as it turned out, I think we won um, 
you know, we won three nothing and uh, it was, was kind of do that. But you know, the, the 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 greatest thing we had a, one of the great pitching coaches of all time, that George yeah. Amberson. And yes. George used to on his hat, he used to put four little lines, and then when and then he put a line across them. And I said, we said, George, what is that? He said, well, those are your complete games. So every time we get to five. I, you know, I do the four little, you know, little, little marks and then that, uh, the hashtag across it. He says, cause I have a, uh, I have a $5,000 uh, bonus. If you guys get to 50, 50 complete games. Wow. Well, we pitched 70 complete games that year out of the four of us. And, um, he never had the bonus. That was just George's way of trying to get us to motivate us. He was just telling us cause he knew. And Ezra Weaver used to always tell you, you know, I don't know what, some of the, your manager, Dick Williams or whatever, used to tell your guys, he said, but there, there aren't any guys out there that are better than you in the bullpen. So, you know, why don't you finish what you started? And the other thing is, when I was 19, I roomed with Robin Roberts. Yeah. You know, Robin had 270 wins, 605 starts, 300 complete games. You know, used to win 22, 23, 25 games a year. Ended up in Cooperstown with 286. And I said, Robin, how'd you win all those games? He said, well, Jim, I pitch on Sunday, and then I come back and relief on Tuesday. So I had a pretty good mentor when I, he was, he was twice my age. He was 38. I was 19. Wow. And he was there about two and a half months because he was trying to win 300 games and they took him out of the rotation and he went down to Houston. But when you get somebody and you know, I don't know if you had a mentor catching wise, but if you get somebody that knows they're going to take that you're going to take their job or somebody, a young pitcher like myself at 19, and they're still, um, you know, have enough class, have enough smarts to say, you know what, if I teach him, maybe, you know, down the road, he can teach other people. And that's yeah. what Robin Roberts did for me. And uh, what, a, you know, the, obviously he's passed away, but what a wonderful man who taught me how to pitch. Jimmy, it's really easy. You rock back. you got a great arm. I hope you're un- smart enough to understand that. you got a fastball you can throw for a strike. you got a fastball you can throw for a ball. Same with your breaking ball. Good luck. Yeah, there you go. that's some great <laughs> advice. You know, uh, it was Chris, it was perfect Chris Townsend just did a wow when you said 50 complete games. You know, that made, made I mean, 70, think about 70 that. complete games. He wanted us to pitch. Well, oh, he wanted how so many did you did have? Well, we had 70. You know. 70. <laughs> we'll be lucky to have five <laughs> oh, because there's seven. No, well, you you seven had, innings. if you get five, you've had a real good year, and <laughs> we're not counting the double heads. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, you know, it's funny. You t- you know, Ray, you talked about the no-hitter. And listen, hey, you know, Bob Garner really pitched a great game. And, and you know, we've had a couple of, reg- you know, normal no-hitters. And, you know, my only no-hitter was against the A's in 69. And, you know, I'd been under the Sable list. I came back. You know, no, no rehab, 52 days under the Sable list, six innings, shut out innings against the Twins, and then 150 pitches and, and, and got a bunch of runs and, and beat the A's with her no-hitter in Baltimore. But it, now it's it's just it's it's just kind of strange the way that you know they count. We used to always count the pitches, yeah. but now, I mean, ninety-five pitches and guys are you know they're kind of you know it's it, it's kind of like you're leaning towards the dugout. <laughs> you know, back yeah. then, I mean, I still remember you know when when Weaver would tell, give you the ball, I put it in your locker. He goes, "Don't be don't be looking, don't yeah. be looking into the dugout." Yeah, you know. Oh, uh, you know, it's just that the game has changed a little bit. And you know, I guess you know again the analytics are telling you, hey, we'll bring in somebody that's better. But just think about it, Ray. If you got paid for wins, yeah. do you want somebody else coming in? Thank you. You know, you think you need to do the job. And, you know, back then, maybe, maybe the, I don't know, who knows? Maybe the game's passed me by, but, and maybe the, game, the pitchers are better now. I will say this. If Mariano Rivera had been in our bullpen, I probably would have only pitched eight, to be quite honest. Or maybe, you know, Eck, if Eck had been out there or Raleigh, I would have said, hey, you know, 
Earl, Dick, whatever, whoever is managing, you know, I'm going to get you 24 outs and then you can manage. Right. Yeah. Jimmy, what was it like? Uh, and, and I know this is kind of a loaded question. The, the manager, Earl Weaver, I know playing against him, he seemed to be a fiery manager. You played for him. What was that like? Well, did you play for Dick Williams? Yes, I did. Was he a good guy? Was he a nice guy, or was he a really good manager? Uh, he was a great manager, but, you know, he was hard-nosed, which probably what made him such a great manager. Okay, so Earl Weaver, first of all, you know, he, we, we, he didn't have many meetings. We, we were losing some games in Milwaukee once, and he says, okay, everybody turn around and face the middle of the, uh, of the room. So we had to turn around in our schools, and he said, you guys don't want to win badly enough. He said, you know. Uh, he, we're not getting, we're not scoring guys from third, but less than two outs. He said, I never left a guy at third base, um, you know, with less than two mm-hmm. outs. And Dave McNally, who won 20 games for us out of Montana for four, four times said, yeah, but you never played higher in double a and we were never missed a beat. He said, <laughs> and the other thing is he said, and this is the total truth. He said, you know, the game's not over till you make the final out on the road. Yeah. You know, you get 27 outs and I refuse to make the last out of the game. And I, you know, we're sitting in County stadium, you know, it's, yeah. It's where Hank Aaron played and yeah. Eddie Matthew with over 500 home runs. And, you know, usual came in there. Probably Ted Williams played in an all-star game there. And I'm going, Babe Ruth, maybe Luke Gehrig, maybe DiMaggio. Yeah. Maybe some of the greatest players that ever played. Don't you think that maybe they made the last out of the game? And here's <laughs> our five, six manager telling me he refused to make the last out of the game. So I raised my hand. And he goes, and we had this kind of relationship. He says, what do you want? Yeah. And I said, we all know why you never made the last out of the game, Earl. They used to always pinch it for you. So anyway, with that, he told us that the meeting was over. So we had, we kind of had that relationship, but, but, but you got to think about it. You know, both of us ended up in the, the hall of fame. Um, and when I got in the hall of fame, you know, you try to thank your parents and your little league coaches and all the people that helped you and, uh, you know, your teammates and, you know, I mean, just down the list, but it's a bucket list of all the guys that helped you get to the hall of fame. But the one thing about Earl, you know, he, we had a love hate relationship. He never shook my hand after I won because he said, what am I going to do when you lose? I said, well, how about getting them next, you know, four days from now? How about that? That's a suggestion. And he goes, I'll do what I want to do. And I said, yeah, I know that. <laughs> so, but anyway, but just think about it. You know, I got there, I hurt my shoulder. So I'm, I'm out half of 67 and eight. Earl takes over at 68. You know, he moves down Buford to left field, becomes one of the best leadoff guys. I get healthy. McNally wins 12 games in a row. His arm's well. So, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, Frank Robinson had had, had the concussion. Everybody's kind of getting back to where we are. We got Rettman and Moten and Davey May. You know, we got about five or six guys that could play every day in the outfield. Got Belanger, Robinson with 16 gold gloves, Davey Johnson, eventually Gritch. And so we got really good teams. So you just, but think about the fact that Earl had one-year deals from '68 all the way to 1980. Wow! And he gave me the ball every four days. Every four days, the ball was in my locker when I would come on the day I was supposed to pitch. Now we didn't get along. He was impossible. He wanted me if I pitched 323 innings, he wanted me to pitch 330. If I pitched eight and a third, he wanted me to pitch, you know, a complete game. If I pitched, you know. Nine innings in the game went 10 or 11, which we did do on occasion, pitch extra innings. He wanted me to do that. So he pushed me. He prodded me. But he gave me the ball every four days. And back then, as you know, we didn't make a lot of money. So World Series checks were really important. 
And you know what? Every year we went to spring training. I mean, I was really lucky. We had clubs that if we played well and we did what we were, you know, kind of studied to do coming up through the minor leagues, we had a good chance to win. Well, speaking of checks, Jim, you know, when I was growing up, if you went into into a, a department store, there you were, jockey underwear. It, it was amazing. What was that experience like for you? I mean, it wasn't like you were a New York Yankee, but here you are in every department store, and, and, and everybody's buying underwear because of you. What was that experience like? Well, I was trying to figure out a way that I didn't have to. You know, you, I got to Baltimore when I was 19. You know, I got married at 18. I was going to Arizona State. Got married at 18, you know, married in A-ball, get to the big leagues. You know, but didn't think I was going to, you know, the year we won the World Series, I thought I was going to the minors. Everybody got hurt in spring training. I went 15 games. Um, so, you know, you're always, and then I hurt my arm. And, you know, you bought a house. You're trying to, you know, you're making, you know, $7,000, 7500 15 Yep. You know, you, you're not making a lot of money. And, you know, Reggie Reggie played with us for in 76 and then got a big contract. But I, I was, I think, smart enough to realize why I was winning a lot of games. I mean, I had some of the best teammates that ever played, and not only the Hall of Famers, you know, not only the Brooks Robinsons and the Frank Robinsons and the, the Robin Roberts and the Eddie Murrays and the Cal Ripkins, but, the, you know, Paul Blair with eight gold gloves and Belanger with eight gold gloves. And, I mean, you name it. You know, always pitch with good staffs. like to think that I had something to do with mentoring them after Robin Roberts taught me about doing that. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to leave Baltimore. You're raising your children. They're going to school. You know, you, you know. Baltimore back then, it was a great sports town. You had the Colts, you had the, you know, before they moved to Indianapolis. It was, you know, a great place to raise your kids. Uh, you know, 50 minutes from Washington, get on the train, you're in New York, two and a half hours, Philly, 90 miles. You got the uh, mountains, you got the bay, you got, you know, it was it was a really nice place to live. So uh, I get a call, set of a speech, uh, Keith Morris from Sports Illustrated, hey, you want to be part of the underwear ads? And I was one of nine guys. Yeah. And they asked me to come back the next year and then they took a year off and then they said, we want to, you know, as the singular spokesperson, you know, you look good in the underwear not as good as a model would have looked because they could have gotten guys that look a lot better than me. But see, the universal part of doing what I did for jockey was women buy men's underwear. 75% of men's underwear is bought by women back then. So they wanted somebody that looked decent enough. So when women saw the ads, they would say, oh, okay. And then men aren't threatened by baseball players because most men would like to have been able to do what I was lucky enough to do, you know, pitch in the World Series, pitch in all-star games, play Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So I did about 20, 25 store appearance for Jockey, did the ads. Probably the best story, though, is Bill Farley. You know, I'm waiting for a car in Chicago on a Sunday, on a Saturday morning. It's a beautiful day. And this guy walks by and he goes, wait a minute, you're Jim Palmer. Hi, I'm Bill Farley. I own Union Underwear. We make 40% of the underwear in the United States, private labels, so on and so on, big department stores. He said, he said, you know, one of the big mysteries in life is how Jockey, who has 8% of the market, everybody thinks they're the, <laughs> the biggest underwear house in the United States. And I looked at Bill, and I just met him, and I said, you know, obviously you have the wrong people working for you, Bill. <laughs> so he, he starts laughing, and I said, um, he said, no, no, you do a great job. I said, listen, I just I work with Bill Herman, who was the director of advertising. He was smart enough to understand the dynamic of baseball and, you know, women buying underwear and blah, blah, blah. So I did store appearances. I met baseball fans, you know, underwear fans, you know, they, well, 
hey, tr- try doing a Macy's appearance in downtown San Francisco in 1978 or 1980 with three or 400 people there and people come in and, you know, in underwear and raincoats and, you know, body stockings and purple hair and all that. So, um, I had a good time. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Hey, it was, but you know, I'd get on a plane because they did so much advertising and flight attendant who said, Hey, you're the, the, the middle guy in the third row. I said, I guess that's one way to uh, <laughs> yeah. you know look at who I am, you know. And then you know you'd win twenty games, and next year they said, "Hey, that's an underwear model." And I said, "Yep, that's what I do." So <laughs> I actually actually autographed um, you know, my youngest or my oldest daughter's name Jamie, and I I wrote I you know we used to have underwear posters to give away you know because Eric Boss that was doing underwear posters, so we we'd raise the money for cystic fibrosis. I had you know a good friend who had two kids with CF and. You know, the life expectancy back there was about 12 years, right? So I, I to my oldest daughter, I go to Jamie, best wishes, dad. And then she and put it, hung it on her wall. So when she came home from school, she would get used to the fact that, I, yes, I was her father, but I also did underwear ads. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, can't thank you enough for uh, your time. And I know there's so much that uh, could be talked about, but what a tremendous career and probably the biggest thing with what has happened. We miss seeing you. Miss seeing you come to the Bay Area. Miss seeing you in Baltimore. Well, tell everybody, hey, tell everybody, get their shots, stay, stay safe, wear your mask, and uh, maybe we'll get out of this and you know, we can get back to having a more normal life. And meanwhile, you know, you're, you're very lucky because, you know, Bob Melvin spent, I don't yeah. know what, about three years in, in Baltimore back in the early 90s. And one of, one of my favorite guys, we text all the time, um, you know, so it, it's hard not to, not to root. And, you know, I mean, I try, like I said, I try not to root for either the Orioles or the team because it's, it's baseball and the best team should win. But it's hard not to root for the uh, for the A's, and uh, you know, especially when Bo Mel is uh, managing the ball club, and he's such a good guy. So I hope they have a great uh, rest of the season, and, and everybody that watches them and roots for them will stay healthy. And, uh, you know, like I said, we can get back to a little more normalcy. That would be nice. You guys take care of yourself, too. All right, Jimmy. Well, Bob Melvin's the best just like you. So thanks for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. You- You're welcome, guys. Take care. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.